Rio Grande announces a change in time for calling all cars, the West's most popular broadcast. Beginning Sunday, April 2nd, calling all cars will be heard at 8 to 8.30 p.m. On Sundays instead of Fridays. Listen to Calling All Cars, 8 to 8.30, Sunday night, April 2nd. Copyrighted program created by Rio Grande. Marysville Police calling all cars. Attention all cars to broadcast 277 regarding a kidnapping. Be on the lookout for a sedan bearing three men and a woman. These men kidnapped the Marysville policemen this day. Exercise caution. They are armed and dangerous. That's all. Rose and quick. Water pipe first. You don't send for a radio repairman. If something goes wrong with your radio, you don't call in a plumber. You summon the man whose training and experience have made him a specialist in his chosen line. The men who do know gasoline, whose very occupation requires them to drive far more than you or I, are the men at the wheels of police cars, ambulances, and fire engines. And the way they size up the various motor fuels on the market is best illustrated by the fact that more of their emergency public-serving automobiles are powered by Rio Grande Craft, wherever it is sold, than any other branch. Their constant reliance on this better gasoline to get them away to a quicker start, to give them top speed, maximum power, and the kind of mileage that saves the taxpayers' money is the most eloquent endorsement ever accorded to gasoline. Tens of thousands of motorists who have followed the example of an overwhelmingly large number of city and county officials in California are enjoying the advantages of police car performance Rio Grande Crash in their automobiles. If you are not, why not? Get a tank full on the way to work in the morning. Give it one trial and you will be sold. You'll understand why Rio Grande Crash is the most highly recommended gasoline sold in the West. the story we are to hear tonight have been taken in the main from the confidential files of the police department of Marysville, California. We have therefore asked Chief of Police, Daryl LaForte, to prepare a foreword to our program. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It is a privilege to be able tonight to greet you as a guest of Calling All Cars. It is part of the cooperation which law enforcement agencies are showing in their efforts tonight to point out the losing nature of life of crime. Such cooperation between law enforcement officers and all others in this work is vital to the success of the battle against crime. If every group of authorities seek only to cover themselves with glory and refuse to cooperate with other groups, the criminal element has a distinct advantage. The story we are about to hear was brought to a successful conclusion by the splendid way in which all peace officers involved work together to prove again and most conclusively, that crime cannot pay. A low moon hung over the little desert town of Battle Mountain, Nevada. It was long after midnight, 1.30 o'clock in the early morning of July 15, 1932. At the upper end of the town, two men were working furtively in the shadows as they attempted to break the lock of Battle Mountain's leading store, while a third stood beside a small sedan parked nearby. 
Are you making that shot? Okay, okay. A couple more tries on him. Come on, here. What is the maneuver? Want to get through that? I thought I heard something down there by the corner of the building. Is it just a jumpy ship? I can't hear anything. Yeah, maybe so. I could have sworn I heard someone there. Yeah. If there was anybody around, handed to see them. But you suppose I'm making a stand at it by the car? Yeah, yeah, sure, I know. Yeah. Okay. One more like that, we'll have the luck, I thought. Now, give me a Yes, there is somebody coming. I just saw his shadow on that on the sidewalk. I've got to stick and listen. Yeah. You hear that? Come on. Tuck the honest sedan, quick. He's still coming. I guess he saw us all right. Why didn't you tip us, Henry? Oh, Jim, you fellas said that. I think going to get the signal when you look back here. Okay. Oh, the gun's ready, boys. I got a hunch that's a cop. All right, you fellas. Put up your hands and come out in the open. It's the law. It's the marshal, boss. Yeah, I know. Let him have it, boys. <laughs> One of us got him, Jack. He's got him. He's flat. Stop, boys. you pull him in. We must only wing him. He's firing at us. How do you know what to do, then, Jack? I don't know how to hold him. Come on! Duck into the house! Uh, did anybody here in the crowd see you was doing all that shooting? Yeah, I seen it, Constable. There's three guys shooting it out with some other fellas. They beat it down that alley there. Okay, some of you men come with me. We'll try to head them off. Look, Constable, there's a fellow they shot, man, there by the corner of the store. See if there's anything you can do for him. Yeah, I'm going to try to catch up with the guys who shot him. You see who it is? Not there, but... Yeah. Yeah, it's Marshal Chiara. Good old two-gun piece, yeah. Killed him. Looks like to me. He got back at him a little. I saw one of the killers ripping pretty bad when they went in that alley there. You think he might have shot one of them? That's the way it looks. Funny that they're off and leave the car standing here. That ain't their car. Belongs to some people I know. Just happened to be parked there. Well, it looks like they got away. A lot of the boys are still searching for him, but no luck so far. They got away, huh? Yeah, we got him yet. They left their tracks in the alley. The tracks of cowboys' boots. <laughs> Shortly after his arrival at the scene of Marshal Tiara's tragic killing, Sheriff James Moore of Lambert County sent a rest called Detective Richard Heath of Reno. Detective Heath immediately uncovered two important clues. A limp, plainly discernible in one of the bandits' tracks, and an excellent palm print from the fender of the park automobile. But it remained for M.A. Carpenter, a detective of Marysville, California, to give meaning to these clues. Were able to make anything out of what he dug up, Mr. Carpenter? I certainly was, sir. Plenty. You think got a lead out of that palm print? No, not the palm print. Identifying the killer through that would be mostly a matter of luck. What's the track? That's it, exactly. Those boot prints showing the limp. What about them? Sheriff, only one man in the West makes boot tracks like that. And that man is Jack Weston. Jack Weston? You mean the man they call the last outlaw of the Old West? That's just who I mean. But, uh, how can you be sure... Besides the evidence of those boot prints, Jack Weston is the only man I know who could outdraw two-gun Pete Sierra. That's the case. He's going to be a tough man to catch. That may be, but none of them are too tough to be caught eventually. I followed Weston's career since way back in 1900 when he and his brother Ed started out stealing horses in the state of Washington. He's been getting away with his lawlessness for a long time now, Mr. Carpenter. I don't know what... Jack hasn't entirely gotten away with it. He's done time before, and we would get him this time... He'll likely hang. And if he keeps on leaving a trail of telltale boot prints, we'll have him before you know it. But nearly three months passed, and still nothing definite has been learned as to Jack Weston's whereabouts. And then, late one October afternoon of the same year, an automobile bearing Arizona license plate 
turned into a service station on the outskirts of Marysville, California. Can you think, sir? Yeah, make it snappy. Yes, sir. Don't you think you should have stopped further along, Jack? After all, we've just cleaned this sticky town of change of over 540 bills. Shut up, will you, Tick? Oh, that service station got to hear you. Oh, no, but just the same. Oh, we were down to the last gallon. I didn't want to take no chances of running out between stations. Right here now, Jack. I'm not sure yet. We'll see how things look up ahead. I'm going to cut east, second to Nevada. Then you're going to pass up Red Bluff? I told you I didn't know, didn't I? I'll pipe down. I was just trying to hurry up. I want to get through this town. Oh, it's just coughing, Tick. He's going to bother it. Hey, Vinny, never mind the oil. In a hurry. Okay, sir. That's $2.15. Here you are. Thank you, sir. Let's see that two fifteen out of 20. Look, that guy, another one of the phonies, eh? Sure. Why not? Paul, look what's coming around the corner of the station. Jack, it's a cop. He's looking hard in that direction. All right, sir, it's that cop. What of it? I swear he's the biggest cop I ever saw in my life. I bet he weighs way over 200. Yes. He's coming over here. Yeah, let's beat it. Check nuts to the king. Now listen, you two hold tight. I'll take care of this. Just a minute, there. I want to talk to you. Yeah? What's the matter? Where'd you get that automobile? What do you mean, where'd I get it? Don't you mean? Yeah? You see your registration? Sure. Right here on the wheel post. Sure. Yeah. Your name, sir? All right, copper. I guess you know a 45 when you see one. I climb into the back seat like a good boy. Hey, what the... You heard me, big boy. Okay. Utah decided to take the bull with the horn. 
I tell you, these wool robberies have got to stop. The ranchers around here have taken about all they can stand. Something's got to be done. Done soon. I'd be willing to bet my last time I know who's behind all this. Yeah, who? Jack Weston. By George, Sheriff, I believe you're right. I'm almost certain I'm right. Yeah, he's the bandit who killed your old friend, uh, Marshal Pete Sierra, up at Battle Mountain, isn't he? Yeah. That's something I'm not forgetting. One of these days, if somebody else doesn't get him first, I'm going to bring Weston in, dead or alive. Wait a minute. Well, Sheriff Pye speaking. This is the Stone Ranch calling, Sheriff. Yeah. Just the several thousand dollars worth of wool. Any idea who did it? Well, no, unless it's those wool fees have been operating around here this spring. Okay, I'll be right out. Unless I'm very much mistaken, it's Weston and he's out there again. They've robbed the Stoner Ranch. Yes. Come on, let's get on out there. I'm going to bring in those wool thieves if it's the last thing I ever do. Upon investigation of the robbery at the Stoner Ranch, Sheriff Feist's only clue was the diamond-credit tire mark of a truck. A clue which he followed across dark desert country for nearly a month. And then, early one morning, near the abandoned home state mine, 30 miles west of Cedar City, he came across the now familiar track leading to an arroyo, and knew that at last he had his quarry cornered. Leaving his car, Sheriff Feist cautiously drew his 45 and advanced toward a small truck that was partially concealed by a growth of mesquite. As he came up to it and peered around the front of the motor, his eyes fell on a middle-aged man and young woman lying fast asleep on the ground, almost at his feet. For a moment, Sheriff Price studied the man's features and then... All right, Weston, get up. Huh? Oh, none of that, Weston. I wouldn't reach for that gun if I were you. Okay, Sheriff. Your party. Leave your gun on the ground where it is and keep your hands up. Here's the girl, too. What do we do, Jack? Whatever the Sheriff says, I reckon. Now get on down the gully there, both of you. My car's only a couple hundred yards away. What about the truck? There's plenty of time to take care of the truck, Weston. I'm going to toss a pair of handcuffs over to you, sister. I want you to put them on him. Shall I, Jack? Sure. What else can you do? All right, hurry it up. Now then, get moving. Okay, okay. Don't get such a stew. Yeah, just keep your head up here. There are no tricks. Yeah. I'm sorry about the handcuffs, Jack. That's all right, Daisy. Think nothing of it. I'm not going to... No, you don't, Weston. Stop! Stop for a tooth! Go on, Jack! Go on! Get away from him! Oh! Oh, you killed him! You're dirty and rap! You killed him! Maybe I am. If I did, he asked for it. I'm going after my car. Don't try to get away because it won't do you any good. I won't be but a minute. You take it easy. Weston, don't try. We're getting patched up when we get back to town. Jack, thank you. Well, what I told you now, no funny business. Stacy. Now, shut up and listen. The minute he gets out of sight, get back to the truck. Bring you my truck, and you get it. Okay, Jim. I fell out, had he pumped the slug into my back. I told myself. Doesn't look very bad, Jack. Never mind that. Did he have a sight yet? Yeah. And B didn't get that truck. Okay. No. I'll make that filthy shirt. Let's see, wait, why it's going to I got the gun in my hands. I'm always the right. I shut up. My turn now, Sheriff, huh? Get him up and be quick about it. Oh, what? Hey, you heard me. Get him up. Okay, Weston. And looks like your luck still holds, doesn't it? Sure, why not? Get the keys he's braced us from, Daisy. Jack! Look out! Daisy, that six on there on the ground. I'm getting you, Jack. All right. Get back to you and drop that shotgun. Yeah. Have a go, Daisy. But there's other pair of handcuffs on him, Jack. Yeah, what for? 
Well, she's about fooling around with him. Why not shoot him? That's what he deserves. You were lucky getting out of the way of that shotgun charge, sir. But it won't happen again. You're all through, see? Here, Daisy. Give me a gun. No. I've got a better idea, honey. We'll handcuff him around one of them trees. This lug is going to die a slow death. Well, he's a brain, sugar. You see right here, you get it, honey. Once about a foot kick. Now get over there, sir. The lady's going to make you nice and comfortable. You really mean you'd do a thing like this to anyone Western point? Sure. Now get your arms around that tree trunk. No, I'm not there. Under the big branch. There. That's it. Now. There. That ought to hold you for a while, Sheriff. Now, come on, Jeff. Let me help you up again. Let's shoot it out of here. Beat it nothing. Get some gasoline out of the truck, Daisy. Gasoline? Sure. I'm going to pour it over this dirty rat and set him on fire. Oh, that no. I said yes. And do what I say. I'm going to burn him alive. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to... No. Jack, what is it? It's a slug. I guess maybe I... It was my thought. Here, hold on to me, darling. I'll get you to the chair for oh. somehow. Oh, take it easy. Take it easy. I will, dear. Oh, it's just this trip. Ah, the weather for this. Come on, honey. Put it in my bag. Stay here and watch it. Here we are, Jack. Ah. Now, let me help you up. Oh, oh.
much worse than these handcuffs cutting into my wrist. <laughs> my teeth are strong. Three or four quick bites. That's all. Then the bone's easily broken once. Then, with a rending snap, the limb broke free. 
with almost superhuman effort, Spike then began his ascent of the tree, breaking away the smaller limbs as he climbed. An hour passed, and he was within four feet of the top of the twenty-foot cedar. There the trunk was trapped, and his body straight and headless. Trembling, he was on the verge of collapse, but somehow he managed to flounder on. Higher, higher. So the treetop began to bend into an Just one more, boy. Please, God. Just one more, boy. I'm beginning to slide. Free. Free. Handcuffed, managed the 14-mile grueling march towards Cedar City before being picked up by a rancher. And almost unbelievable as it seems, after only two days of recuperation, he was once again hot on the trail of the West, number one bad man, Jack Weston. Information had come through that a girl answering Daisy's description had purchased medical supplies in St. George and had driven south in the direction of Arizona. Sheriff Price was not long in picking up the tracks made for the tires of his car, and in company with several deputies, the officers soon came to the end of their search before a tiny shack in the vicinity of Mount Trumbull. Sheriff Fife advanced to the door. Why, it's you. But... Yeah. But I thought... You thought I'd be fooled for the buzzers by this time, didn't you? You said you're under arrest for attempted murder, young woman. I see. All right. I'll go with you. Where's Jack Weston? He ain't here. He ain't here, eh? Come on. We're going to take a look through the house. Can you see for yourself there's no one in this room? There's two other rooms in the house. Yeah, we'll take a look at him anyway. Hey, what's your name? Margaret Carter. Margaret Carter. Why'd Jack call you Daisy? If you don't like my name, you know what you can do. Come on now. Where's Jack Weston? Jack is far away. Well, I'm going to find out. You were right about his not being in the house, but i got a hunch he's not far from here. Well, one of the men just found your car, sir. He did, eh? What about Weston, Captain? There's no sign of Weston. Well, let's take a look at the car. Come on, Daisy, or Margaret, or whatever your name is. Okay. See, the car is right there by that clump of mesquite. Oh, yeah. What are the men digging over there for? We found the place with the earth had been disturbed. Thought maybe Weston might have buried something there. <laughs> well, what's that for? What's the matter with you? There's nothing, nothing. Hey, there's a, it's a body we just found in that pit. The boys are bringing it out now. A body? Who's, you know? Yeah, the boys have it out. Maybe someone can identify it. Why? Where is Jack Weston? Yes, it's Jack. I buried him there myself. <laughs> he died during the night. I was just told to be sure. Well, looks like Frank Bullet of yours got him after all, Sheriff. Yeah, I guess it did. And it left the West that much better place to live in. <laughs> Just a moment, we shall present the concluding facts regarding our program. A careful driver not only keeps one eye on the road and the other on his speedometer, he is just as careful about where he turns in for his motoring needs. A veritable army of prudent, thoughtful motorists watch for the nearest red and white Rio Grande station, knowing the safer, surer protection of Rio Luz and Rio Grande, Pennsylvania, knowing the superior quality of Rio Grande crack, the gasoline of real police car performance. Every member of Jack Weston's outfit has been apprehended by the authorities, either before or since the death of their leader, and is now serving time in prison. 
They are learning as Jack Weston so conclusively learned that crime cannot pay. Calling all cars, attention all cars, the cancellation of broadcast 277 regarding a kidnapping. The best in this case are now in custody. That's all. Go and clear. The role of Sheriff Fife in the night's broadcast was played by Frederick Hughes. This is your narrator, Frederick Lindsay. Bidding you good night for Rio Grande. Rio Grande announces a change in time for Calling All Cars, the West's most popular broadcast. Beginning Sunday, April 2nd, Calling All Cars will be heard at 8 to 8.30 p.m. on Sundays instead of Fridays. Listen to Calling All Cars, 8 to 8.30 Sunday night starting April 2nd, at which time you will hear the story of Earl Durant, the Wyoming desperado who was shot today. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System.